Hello, I'm Laurie. And I'm Steve. And welcome to another episode of This Podcast is Gay. So this time we are recording this podcast from Italy, Pisa, no less, where we've had a few days break enjoying the boiling hot sunshine and doing a bit of sightseeing as well. At the moment we're sitting in a darkened room, basically because it's too hot outside and there's too many mosquitoes outside. It's pretty hot in Pisa in August. We've been here for two days and we've basically run out of things to see. We've done the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Uh, and which I propped up. No, you sought to push it over. I, I sought to push it over. So we've got uh, that fantastic photograph. We've done the walls around Pisa. We've wandered around the streets. We've done the botanical gardens. We've eaten some gelato. We've... Well, actually, to be fair, we've eaten gelati. But why? More than one. Oh, right. Yeah. I was going to say, and then we ate some more gelato. But... Oh, right. Well, there, there we go. We've eaten gelati. my punchline. Anything else you'd like to tell our listeners about Pisa, Laurie? No. So, before we went on holiday, we interviewed Paul, who is a theatre producer, who's had an illustrious career both in Australia and in London. And some of his recent works have included Radio at the Arcola Theatre, Tumulus at the Soho Theatre, and My Name is Rachel Corrie at The Young Vic. And we took the chance to talk to him about his life in Australia, what brought him over to London and how he moved from a career in fashion buying to become a leading producer in London. So without further ado, here's Paul. Welcome, Paul. Thank you very much. Brilliant. Our first question, I think, is tell us a bit about the work you do as a theatre producer and what you've been up to recently. All right. So a theatre producer is basically the one that puts on the show from a budget, assembling the creative team, working out what the show is, where the venue is. Lots of negotiating, lots of management of people, places, things, and basically the buck stops there with the producer. So what got you into theatre producing? So I'd always been passionate about theatre. I had a career that spanned about 25 years prior to me getting into theatre producing. So I was involved in fashion and retail, buying shoes and accessories for a number of Australian retailers. But then I got to that stage where I thought, what's going to sustain me for the next 20 years of my career? And I had looked at how I could transition into a career in theatre, but I didn't quite know what that was or how to do it. It wasn't until I went to my final fashion job that I really hated it. And I just thought, I'm going to throw caution to the wind and start pursuing my passions. Uh, I'd been on the board of a theatre in Melbourne, so I started working with them voluntarily. I came across here to London, did a producer's course at RADA. That was a a three-month course, but it was just one night a week. So I had lots of time to network. And theatre is a very big industry over here, and I managed to network with someone new every single day throughout that three months. And now I work with one of those people that... I met throughout those networking meetings with. So it's who you who you know, sir, or who you, who you get to know. It to definitely is, yeah. And I, I think you have to put yourself out there, you know, in all aspects of your career. 
I think we sometimes get very content with the people that we know, but it's it's constantly extending those networks and pushing yourself to go further and meet more people. So when you came to London, was it initially as a sort of short-term thing to do the course? Yes. And you were always intended to go back to Australia and pursue the producing there? Yeah, so at the end of that RADA course, I did go back to Australia as executive producer of the theatre that I'd been on the board of. And I, I, prior to doing the producer's course, I'd, I'd worked with them voluntarily. So I went back to a, a permanent paid position, uh, which I absolutely loved. Produced four new Australian works and the team is just great. You know, I, I know them extremely well. And I'm very proud of, of, of that space and the work that they produce. But I'd committed myself for two years and and it was my partner that said to me, listen, Paul, you've given up a, a big career and he could see how, how happy I was in transitioning to theatre uh, in Melbourne. Uh, I think you need to focus more on commercial theatre and to do that, you'll need to move to London. So I reconnected w- with the top three people from my networking visits and the person that was number one on that list said, yeah, of course you can come and work with me. And what was the choice behind producing rather than any of the other aspects of theatre, say, directing? Yeah, that came about from a conversation with a mentor of mine, Wayne Harrison, who had been the CEO and artistic director of the Sydney Theatre Company, and he's based here in London. And... Yeah, it was through conversations with him. I guess up until that stage, everyone had been very encouraging and congratulatory that I'd given up a corporate job to pursue a career in the arts. But it was only through a conversation with Wayne when I said, but what's the actual job that I need to be aiming for? And he said, oh, you need to be a theatre producer. And so... From then on, I was focused on how do I make that happen? What is it about theatre that you love? That's a really good question. (laughs) I love the way that theatre makes me feel, whether that is a feeling of escape, whether it's a feeling of exhilaration, whether it challenges me, whether it stretches my boundaries and makes me think of different things or or see things in a different way. I think theatre has a lot of power to do many different things, and I like all aspects of it. And what would you say is your proudest uh, achievement as a producer? That's a really hard question because it's like your children, you know? (laughs) Not that I have any, but you spend so much time nurturing a project and bringing it to fruition that you are proud of all of the pieces that you do produce. I guess standouts for my career have been the production of My Name is Rachel Corrie at the Young Vic, It was amazing producing something within that building with the team that was was there and it was just such a positive experience. Helps when you sell out a show before it even starts um, and that you can extend it as well. So that was a really, really positive experience. And then more recently, Tumulus at the Soho Theatre, which was the first gay play that I have produced. So from that perspective... I'm really proud of that as well. How do you manage to decide which productions to finance? We speak to lots of people every single week and so many people have great ideas and are very passionate about their work and you really just need to assess what is the right work 
for the mood of the audience at the moment. What are they looking for? What is achievable? So what's the cast size? How well known is the, is the writer or director? What's the venue that is going to be able to house all that? And I guess ultimately, is there potential that some money can be actually made out of it? So it needs to tick a lot of boxes. And yeah, unfortunately, you can't produce anything, but you need to be quite discerning. At the end of the day, it's what, does, what, what do you believe the audience wants to see? And when you're talking now just now about reading the mood of the moment, what would you say the mood of the moment in theatre well, at the moment is? I think people want positivity. I think people want to be taken outside of a world where we're uncertain, you know, of Brexit uncertainty. Yeah, I think people are looking to escape and to be shown things that are enjoyable. Because there is uncertainty, I think they're less prepared to take risks. So I think they're looking for things that they have an idea about what they're going to see. So you mentioned previously about putting on your first gay play. Yes. And what led you to make that choice for that particular play and indeed to put on a gay play? Okay, so I met with the writer and the director. The writer is a very talented emerging writer. And I felt that he'd crafted, he and the director had crafted a very cleverly devised piece that was a murder mystery inspired by a true story that put a spotlight on an issue affecting the gay community that I didn't know much about and most of us don't know much about. And it was done in a murder mystery format to make it accessible for wider audiences. So it was addressing the issue of chemsex, which is guys taking chemical drugs to have sex and basically happens on a regular basis. Some of them can't function sexually without it. And there's a pretty much an underworld community that is practicing this on an ongoing basis. It, it causes death, but we don't talk about it. And as I say, it wasn't a subject that I knew anything about. How we had partnered with 5016 Street. We spoke with David Stewart, who is the world chemsex expert, and learnt so much about the issue, its causes and its remedies. We accompanied the production with a series of post-show discussions, uh, provided expert panellists on certain issues that really introduced the concept to new audiences. And it was great to see audiences you know, asking questions about it who would come to the play and say, okay, until today, I'd never heard of chemsex. And that for me, you know, was a big tick that we'd achieved our goal, that we'd attracted audiences that were outside the gay community, outside the chemsex community. And we, in a small way, exposed the situation to a wider community. So that was your first LGBT production. Have you got plans to do more? And, and do you feel that your sexuality might inform some of the work you produce in the future? I, I would love to do more. Uh, I don't have anything immediate on the table at the moment. Uh, there's a few other larger projects that are looming. Uh, I think LGBT, particularly in London, is very well represented through theatre. I think the challenge is to make it mainstream. We asked Paul what his favourite show was. 
once again, it's really hard to hone down you know, one particular favourite, but I'd say within the LGBT uh, genre, uh, The Inheritance at The Young Vic was an absolute standout, and I felt like I was just binge-watching a net, net, Netflix series. Um, yeah, that was, that was fabulous. Um, uh, re- most recently, I've seen Andrew Scott in Present Laughter, a Noel Coward play at the Old Vic, which was just a joy to watch. Nice to be just sitting in the theatre for a couple of hours and just having a good time. And I'm a particular fan of musicals and I'm working on a couple at the moment. So I really enjoyed Waitress, which is currently showing in the West End. We've not seen Waitress. No, we need to see it. Or The Inheritance. Every gay person we've spoken to who... Uh, let ourselves down. Yeah, we let ourselves down. I don't think we should down. admit to that. No, I don't think we should. <laughs> born in Sydney in the 70s, youngest of four children. Um, I've got nine nephews and nieces. So big, kind of loving, warm family. Been very fortunate. And in your 20s, you were dating women? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess if I'm true to myself, I would now say that I always knew that I was gay. However, didn't particularly want to be gay. I saw the relationship that my parents have and I felt that I had to be married and have a swag of kids to achieve what they achieved. So yeah, I I tried to suppress my sexuality and thought that getting married would, would kind of clinch the deal. And, you know, for various reasons, not just because of my sexuality, that marriage fell apart, although my ex-wife and I are still very good friends and we're really supportive of each other. Um, yeah, and, you know, she's supported me when I, when I was coming out, you know, and, yeah, I really thank her for that. I remember turning up on my parents' doorstep. We'd driven all the way from Melbourne to Sydney I uh, had a few drinks before I got to their place and, and it was really my ex-wife that said, come on, you need to tell them now. Uh, so I came out to them. Uh, in, so I was in my early 30s at that stage and, you know, they were, they were um, shocked and they were initially upset, but they have just been the most supportive and loving and, yeah, They've just been incredible. So, you know, it took me a while to find my feet. And if I knew that they would have been as supportive as they they were, perhaps I would have done it earlier. But I don't regret having gone through that that journey. I think I needed to work all of that out for myself. And yeah, I was just really pleased that my parents, my brothers and sisters were all just so supportive of me. And you... You see, you came out sort of in your early 30s. How was that and what was your experience of of being gay at the time? I guess people want you to be one thing or the other. And so for me, I found it difficult coming out in my current workplace because they knew that I was married. And so it took me quite a long time to just tell a small number of trusted colleagues that I was gay. 
it wasn't until I left that workplace and, and joined another higher fashion sort of workplace where everyone was gay friendly that I felt really comfortable with, with being gay. Thinking about your, your ex-wife, it sounds like she was amazingly supportive. Did it then take a bit of time for you to get to a place where you could be friends with her? I, I think me coming out to her, and she was the first person I came out to, I think that was a relief. Um, for her? For her. You know, it, it kind of said, OK, well, well, she said to me, I can't compete with a man. Paul's been with his current partner for 17 years, so we asked him his tips for a good long-term relationship. I, I, I guess communication has got to be paramount, but I think after 17 years, you just get to know each other. And I think those things that were really niggly at the start of your relationship, you know, they kind of fade away. We're, we're actually living on the other side of the world from each other at the moment and we knew that that would, you know, we were in preparation for that for, for about 12 months. And when you're preparing for that sort of long distance relationship, you do realise that, well, you learn to appreciate all the little things. Like on the weekend, the highlight would be just spending a Sunday doing nothing, just kind of sleeping in, hanging out together you know, going for a wander around the streets, but not really having anything planned, just being together. But given that, his, his job takes him overseas regularly, so we also spend a lot of time apart. So I think that keeps a relationship fresh as well. Having that time apart, missing your partner, not being around, and then coming back together again. I think that's really enjoyable. And how have you found uh, life in the UK and London as compared to Australia? Listen, I think the UK is probably at least five years ahead of Australia when it comes to LGBT issues. And, you know, Australia just recently passed gay marriage, which has been accepted over here for, for a much longer period of time. But as a whole, I think when you're with your circle of friends, whether that be in Australia or over here, yeah, it's very similar. Yeah, I think the sort of people that you mix with and your family are all extremely accepting. And have you got a feeling of being part of a gay community in London? Well, when I first arrived in London, I made a set of things that I wanted to do. And one of them was to join a running group. So I joined the Front Runners, which is a, a gay running group. And, you know, that led to meeting a lot of friends. So healthy lifestyle that always finishes with a social activity. So, Paul, um, having been married to a woman and now being in a long-term relationship with a man, how would you describe your sexuality now? I would describe myself as just being a regular guy who just happens to be gay. (laughs) 
thank you, Paul, for that fantastic interview. And we look forward to seeing your next production on the London stage. And we've got another episode of This Podcast is Gay coming soon. Yes, so be sure to tune in for that. Thanks for listening as ever. You can find us on Facebook at Podcast is Gay and on Twitter with the handle Podcast is Gay. And until the next time, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.